I feel like Marketplace makes it easier for people that aren't serious. Whereas Craigslist actually took a little bit of like emailing. You actually yeah. had to call somebody. You couldn't just be like, hey, is this still available? So the car had nitrous too to get it on the converter to even be able to get oh, it on two-step. Yeah. Because it wouldn't build boost without the nitrous to get the thing actually to spool. So you'd have to That's hit it with like a hundred shot. I used to be so scared when we first turned it up to like 30 pounds. I'm like, you don't hear that number very often. No, no, I'm like, okay? are you sure? Yeah, I'm like, are you sure 30 pounds okay? <laughs> and then we started going up in like 35. I'm like, aesthetics to me is very important in drifting. That's like part of it, you know? Yes. It can't drive good without looking good. Somehow sourced a knuckle in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee and drove two hours to go pick one up so I could drive the yeah. toge because that was like a buckleless thing. And I think still like after this whole event, I think it's going to be really hard to ever match something that wild. It's going to become a problem is that drifting, it's becoming so oversaturated with different venues and places. Yeah. Good and a bad thing. Like it's good that you can go drive wherever you want but it's a bad thing because it makes it so only the strongest organizations survive. If you had to choose, where would you say in the country it has the best drift scene? I'll get axed for this question. They said that I couldn't do it, so I wouldn't do it. Did it. W's only, you know I've been. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the number one drift podcast on YouTube. I am Dawson, and we have... I am Justin Medina. If you don't know who he is, he drives the baller S2000. Yeah, uh, I've had my S2000 for a long time now, but I've been drifting it for two years, so it's been right. pretty cool. Nice. All right, well, uh, this is actually like back-to-back -back Justin episodes, so the one coming out, which is tomorrow, will be Justin Hard. Do you know who that is? Uh, I'm pretty sure I know. He does, he, he's crew chief of the Donut Media car. Alex? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so actually back-to-back -back Justin podcast, so All right. that's pretty cool. Uh, but before we get into this, don't forget, subscribe, uh, look down below you if that button is still red, go ahead and click it and hit that bell notification while you're at it so you never miss a single episode. And uh, if you do want to be on the podcast, of course, don't forget you can email me at thecircleadrift at gmail.com, I think, yeah, on the screen, whatever. <laughs> uh, just make sure to put Drift Resume in the subject line so I can organize it all and keep up with it. But that's pretty much it. So if you want to kind of give a rundown on who you are, where you came <clears> from, what got you into cars, stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Um, so my name is Justin Medina. Uh, I've been in the cars pretty much for forever. Um, since like before I could drive cars, but I just couldn't own a car yet. So, um, but I work for Link ECU. I've worked for Link for, uh, I think, four years now or going on five. Can't remember. It's all just kind of flowed together, to be honest. Um, but I originally came from BMX background, which I feel like a lot of us drifters yeah. do, like, you know, we started out chasing adrenaline, <laughs> you know, and here we are now driving in cars, and it's kind of how it went for me. Um, once I got out of, you know, could be able to drive a car, um, I couldn't afford a cool car yet, so I kind of yep. was still hooked on the BMX kick thing, and that was like my main transportation still, and then once I got about 18, or 19, I bought a 99 Civic Si EM1, Fucking which was right. my first, like, cool car that I had. And that's pretty much what just spiraled me into cars. So, but I've had a pretty interesting motorsports background. Far as um, I originally 
came from being a Honda kid or like street racer style kid. Yeah. Um, I've always messed around in cars going sideways, but originally I never really drifted like actual on a track or anything. My friends always did. They always said I should do it, that I'd be good at it. And I just, I don't know, never really caught my attention to actually go try really? to do it. Yeah. It's just kind of, it. I always liked it. Like I, I liked watching it, enjoyed it. But to me, I just, I don't know. I like going fast in a straight line for a long time. And then that's uh, surprising. You don't hear that very often. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like yeah. it's usually. I feel like I don't know. I just I liked racing people. I'm always, I'm super competitive. So yeah, my thing was like fair. drifting was. I, I didn't know this at the time, but dr- the drifting community reminds me so much of like the BMX and skateboarding community, and with drag racing and doing that stuff, I just never had that same feeling of hanging out at the skate park, basically, is what it feels like when I'm with drifters. Yeah, it feels like yeah. we're hanging out, you know, oh, just yeah. like skate park sitting on the ramp. It's like, all right, you do a run. And then, you know, like <laughs> your buddy, you buddies do a run or whatever. And then like, then you go and it just feels like you're hanging out in a ramp with your buddies. And that's yeah. like, that's my favorite part about drifting now. But yeah, I was, I was in drag racing for a really long time. Um, I, like I said, I did like the little street racing stuff or whatever you want to call it. Probably like most people. Didn't then, we all? Yeah. And then from there, did a little autocross too as well. My car itself has like this big history of things I've done with it that a lot of people. So you're taking the S2000 through all of this? Yeah. Holy shit. So. Okay. M- my S2000, my whole thing behind it was. Uh, Speaking of, sorry, we're actually at um, the Sa- Riverside 50K event and we're outside. It's hot as balls. So if we're yeah. sweating, sorry. Yeah. Definitely looks like we're taking a shower. We didn't just hop out of a shower. We've been sitting in a yeah. shower all day. Yeah. I've been fucking dripping on track. Anyways, so, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, my S2000, I originally bought it. It was like my goal I set for myself to buy before I was 21. And before I was like 21 even, too, I was like, oh, I'll never be able to afford one of these cars, even though they're not that expensive now being an adult. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, this is a big goal for myself. If I can buy one before I'm 21, that's my goal. And I did. I beat it by three months, which was really cool. And Fuck, I, yeah. I didn't get the nicest one. I paid $7,000 for my car. And it's an AP2. It had 114,000 miles at the time. Oh, so, wow. like, buying an S2000 for that nowadays, pretty Forget much. about it. Dude. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. Non-existent. Yeah. The prices on them are just. Uh, what does a rolling shell go for those? Uh, So, generally, now, when I see nice, clean rolling shells, they're anywhere between four to six grand, at least, usually. Holy when that's with, shit. like, no engine, no drivetrain, nothing, usually. It's just interior that's rolling crazy. shell. Usually the tops are ruined, too, because the tops are expensive. They always rip. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. But, yeah, they're they're expensive. So I, I really lucked out. I looked for a long time, and I was saving every single dollar I had to buy this car. I literally I had to borrow $400 from my uncle, which, thank God that he did that, because if I wouldn't have got this $400, I literally spent all my money, and I used a credit card to eat for <laughs> a couple weeks until I could get a couple paychecks and actually yeah. pay him back, have money to survive, and... Uh, yeah, I literally poured everything into buying this car, and then I got it, and I live in Michigan, so it was my only car at the time, because I sold my other car and was saving up and just bumming rides to work and sharing rides with people, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I forgot about the winters, and we get a lot of snow in Michigan, so I was oh, like, yeah. shoot, uh, I oh, daily yeah. drive this car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's pretty bad, so I, I daily drive this car, uh, rear-wheel drive sports car, and I didn't think about being able to buy a second car to daily drive. Uh, I just couldn't afford it also. Like I, like I said, I just poured it. just every... wondering what you wanted. Yeah, that exactly. But I wasn't going to give up on the car. Like, that was the thing I always wanted. So I daily drove this car through the winter. Like, uh, multiple Holy seven shit. inches of snow, driving this thing 40 minutes one way to work. Like, 
And actually, the car is awesome in the snow. So if you have an S2000 you don't care about, I highly recommend driving in the snow because it's a ton of fun. Damn. Like, they're like a Miata. Like, Just I don't know. some winter tires on. That, that's the thing. So I didn't even put winter tires because I couldn't afford them again. <laughs> I was just the kid that, like, uh, I bought a car that was fast. Not that fast, but, like, yeah. I just wanted to. I was, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was just basically spending every dollar I had to do whatever the hell I wanted instead of thinking about logical decisions I should probably be making. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm sure a lot of people were in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's just being 21 years old. Not a young kid, but. Yeah. 21 years old and being irresponsible. Uh, but, yeah, I had all seasons, and I never actually got stuck in that car one time. So, And I did a lot of snow drifting. Ow. That car just – so I don't know if you – have you ever driven, like, thick, thick snow before? Oh, yeah. So, well, like, d- define thick because that's like, probably different to you. So we get, like – a big snowstorm for us is 12 inches and more. I've never – been in anywhere near that so no. it, it gets it gets rowdy so actually like the more snow there is on the ground the more traction you have like to yeah, an extent yeah. obviously because if you're pushing snow it's not helping if it's you, all but... packed down you're just gonna slide all over the place. exactly or being on ice like i hate when they plow the snow because then i'd be like you know spinning tires everywhere trying to get started whereas if there was like fresh powder it's grippy mm-hmm. kind of so yeah pretty much you just had to be very strategic about coming up the lights and stopping and like coasting super far back so you didn't have to come to a complete yeah. stop and like it was very strategic. You gotta go slow in this. You know, you gotta keep your momentum up. That's exactly faster. it. Yes, that's exactly it. Keep your braking zones. And uh, yeah, that was some interesting rides to work for sure in my car, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, sure. And then <laughs> I decided I'd try to dabble in some autocross. I got a little bit of money to buy some like okay tires. And I did a few autocross events. I didn't really like that because it seemed like I spent most of the day just kind of um, chasing cones instead of actually driving. Yeah. So that kind of just steered me away from autocross. Like, it was cool the 30 seconds you have in a parking lot going around cones, but, like, it wasn't that cool. So It just, it looks, it's a very boring sport to watch. Agreed. Honestly. Terrible Unless spectator. the car is just insanely cool. Yep. Nothing you can do about it. No, not at all. So then I uh, somehow, I, I mustered up enough money to buy a daily. I bought a Nissan hard body truck. Um, Hell yeah. And then I decided I was going to try to save up money to turbo my car, which was also another terribly financial decision. So I bought the, this is actually a really funny story. This is like the, <laughs> I'm the worst person you want to have on Marketplace, but I message you. So. Oh, hell. This is a. Uh, we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This kid posted this used turbo kit. I don't know, is that going to be too loud? Or no? Do you think you'll hear that? Ah, they should be all right. Okay. So I I, uh, messaged this guy selling this whole used turbo kit. Mind you, I didn't really know how to work on cars that well yet. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm like, oh, this is everything to turbo my car. But really, it's not. <laughs> and uh, There's always bits and pieces. You oh, yeah. Have. But I'm like, oh, it's a used turbo kit. It's everything. But it wasn't. So I messaged this kid, and I forgot what his asking price was. But I offer him, like, $500 less, which isn't, wasn't that bad of a low yeah. ball. But he said no. And then a week goes by. He hits me up. He said, hey, I'll actually take 2500 or whatever it was. And I was like, ah. I spent the 500 now. All I have is two grand. 
And he's like, no, I'm not gotcha, taking two grand. So he didn't do it again. Two more weeks go by. He hits me up. He's like, all right, I'll take two grand. I absolutely need the money. And uh, I think I told him I only had 1800 bucks. So then I still got another couple $200 off. And he's like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, I'll yeah. ship it to you or whatever. So then <laughs> I buy it. So it gets better. And then oh he pays God. FedEx to package it and all this insurance stuff. Well, it shows up all, like, the box was all fucked, and it was missing something stupid, like a blow-off valve or something. So then I was like, hey, man, like, it's missing this part, because I thought I really needed that part. That was yeah, the one yeah. part I was going to need. Well, FedEx gave me, like, 300 bucks back on it, too. Yeah. No way. Yeah, because that was, like, he put only $300 for the insurance. So then I got money back on top. So I got my first, like, S2000 <laughs> turbo kit for, like, $1,500. And <clears throat> what a score. Yeah, it was awesome. I was I was so stoked about it. And I was like, man, you know, like all excited. And then I start looking through what it is and talking to my buddy. Um, I have a buddy named Andy McPherson who owns a shop by me who's done like most of the tuning on all my cars throughout the years. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of look up to him like a mentor in a way. He's just always like he calls me his little brother. But his shop is basically like, you know, I can go there to do anything I need. He's got machine shop stuff and like. He just always has an answer for everything. So I call him up all excited. But, hey, man, I got the turbo kit. And I tell him what I have. He's like, well, what are you going to do to, you know, buy the ECU and all this other stuff? And I'm like, what do you mean? This is the turbo what, kit. What? Yeah. So I'm <laughs> like, me, I got to spend like another two grand. Like, you know, I'm like, uh, man. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So then I finally, again, searching through like Craigslist too also at the time because Craigslist was very relevant during yeah. that time. Um, blessed soul. Right. <laughs> I actually miss I mean, Craigslist. I do too. It was a lot easier, yes. in my opinion. Now you get too many fucking idiots on Facebook Marketplace. That's true. I feel like Marketplace makes it easier for people that aren't serious to just just window shop. Yeah. Whereas Craigslist actually took a little bit of like emailing, kind of, and like searching for the phone number and like yeah. <laughs> like it was a little bit more work. You actually yeah. had to call somebody. You couldn't just be like, "Hey, is this still available?" And then. Crickets. Automated fucking. Yeah. Fuck you if you send automated messages. Yeah, I hate that shit. It's the worst. Don't yeah. do it. And if you don't read the description. Yeah, that too. That's. Oh my. Selling anyway. wheels. Selling. Say, telling you're only selling two wheels, and they said, "Yeah, I'll, I want the full set or whatever." I had somebody do that before. They showed up to try to buy four wheels. I'm like, "There's no four wheels." They didn't yeah. even read the listing. They're like, "Got all shitty with me." I'm, you didn't read, bro. Sorry. Not my fault you can't open your eyes. Uh, so sorry, backtracking, no, you're going good. off topic. But uh, so then I finally end up mustering up the money to buy the cheapest of cheapest parts to get this turbo kit together. And I have the stock motor, mind you. At this time, I think I, I was putting a ton of miles on it. I had a girlfriend that lived like an hour and a half away, so I was driving back and forth a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so I got it with 118 or 115,000 miles, and I have about 160,000 on it this time. And this is probably two years oh, wow. later, two years span only. So I was driving this thing bad. a lot, yeah. And um, so I put this whole turbo kit on it, tell my buddy Andy, I'm like, oh, the car's ready, I'm bringing it down, we're going to dyno it, you know. I get there, and it's open uh, downpipe, and he's like, this thing's a three-cylinder, bro. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? He's like, listen to it. I'm like, oh, sounds fine to me, it just sounds like an open downpipe. Like, I don't know. He's like, we're compression testing it. I'm like, all right. So we, like, we do a compression test, and sure enough, one hole's down at like 180 PSI, the rest are 240. Oh, no. Yeah, and I was like, he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, I didn't spend all this money to take it back apart. Now, yeah. I said, let's tune it. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, yeah, oh, the car actually God. did awesome. So, like, stock motor, F22, made 458 horsepower to the wheels on a Mustang Dyno, 13 pounds of boost on a 6262, and, uh, like... 
car actually held up for a whole summer, like or a whole year, I should say, because it was wow. towards the end of winter. No way. Yeah, it made it through a whole year, and then I blew a ring line apart on one of the... Well, actually, we turned it up, because Go I was like, hey, let's just thing. turn it up. And so <laughs> uh, we were at 13 pounds. I think we went up to 21 or 23, so it was probably making, like, maybe 600 horsepower. Jesus. Which, those motors are actually known for holding, like, good power stock. Oh, yeah. But uh, mine was dead, or dying, and uh, I... This is also my first fast car, so I'm beating the shit out of this thing everywhere. Just nonstop beating yeah. on this thing, wanting to race anybody because I think it's the coolest, fastest <laughs> thing in the world, you know? Dude, like, I, I'm sure a lot of people do. Oh, uh, I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's a cool quick car. Fuck. Like, so I live in the, you know, near Detroit, so like, it's predominantly all domestic cars. So like, you see tons of Hellcats, Corvettes, like all Gross. that stuff. Yes. So those are the best people. The bros are the best people to race because they oh, see me yeah. in a yellow convertible. My car was yellow at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you know, trying to get them to race. And they're like laughing or waving me by. And my car would like, I remember when the car made four 150 horsepower. Um, I actually, there's some other viral video of me racing this guy in a Hellcat with the auto. He had an auto. And uh, I beat this Hellcat. And it's funny listening to everybody like, just listening to people's comments on YouTube. I'm sure you get it or like reading oh, through them. Yeah. The shit that people say. I was banging off limiter because I was just being like, I don't know. Just I wasn't that great at shifting. Yeah. And so I'm like banging off limiter and then shifting like Honda kid shit. And people are like, oh, he's double clutching and saying all this stupid shit. I'm like, ain't double clutching. I'm wearing steel toe <laughs> boots, bro. That's why I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so yeah, I end up blowing up the stock motor, uh, do another built motor go down the drag race this is where i saw my drag racing history kind of comes yeah, about yeah. is uh then i start getting a little bit more serious start making more money as i get older um and built a motor then i started getting into drag racing and decided i was going to put a turbo 400 in my car so uh so damn speaking of drag racing <laughs> yeah don't know if you guys can hear that but there's some no prep drag racing going i'm sure on they can us. hear a little bit of it. oh yeah i got an audio editor so he edits <laughs> most of the stuff out but uh, and these things, they're so goddamn directional. Oh, yeah. But So, um, so yeah, so then I put a Turbo 400 in my car. Um, I was actually one of the first people to do that. I think there was one other guy, but I did a prototype kit for a company called ATF Speed down in Florida. Um, and calling around trying to find somebody to build a trans um, for this because the car is going to rev to 10,000. Well, I was yeah, driving yeah. the car to 11,000 RPMs at the time. Jesus so. Christ. Everybody I'd call would be like, yeah, right, Turbo 400, it's going to grenade itself. You know, yeah. they don't rev that high. I'm like, well, people in monster trucks run like auto. I think there's got to be somebody that runs these things. Yeah, up someone it. can do it. Yeah, so I found this local guy to me. He's like, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem, no problem. And we put this Turbo 400 together. I get the adapter plate kit from ATF Speed. Uh, I do the 488 swap into the rear end of my car because it was had a stock diff at the time. Yeah. And uh, I put it onto a different ECU, like a nice ECU, big turbo, up pipe out the hood, like... This thing's starting to look like a drag car. Buy a set of welds for the rear, like yep. typical drag spec, you know. And I started doing no prep racing. Uh, I did quite a bit of, like, back of the track, no prep stuff. And the car was pretty good. Um, did that for a couple years. I street, so at the time, I couldn't afford a truck and trailer. So I'd street drive my car to the no prep Holy events. Fuck. Yeah, and we have a lot of drag race, like, stuff by us. So it's like an hour and a half to the track for me. But I'd pack my slicks in the back of my, the trunk would be open with a slick. Passenger seat would have oh, a slick and all awesome. my jack and tools. <laughs> so, like, I was straight up real street car stuff back then. And, uh, man, I miss, like, just being able to, I would drive my car everywhere. It was on E, but I would, like, plan, like, I love yeah, going on long drives. Out. Yeah, like, I love that. 
And um, yeah. What that, times were you running in that thing? So the highest time I actually ever put down slipwise was a nine two. Um, at, I think it was 153 miles an hour. But that was also that was on a set of ET Street R's. So that was not on a set of drag slicks. When I okay. this was like a a whole thing. So I blew up a motor, another motor. I accidentally <laughs> hydro locked. Uh, my first time I was gonna go racing, but uh, I blew up this motor. This is funny long story <laughs> yeah I, I learned a lot of stuff along the way because of the auto with the s2000 like you had to use nitrous so the car had nitrous too to get it on the converter to even be able to get Holy it on two-step because it wouldn't build boost without the nitrous to get the thing actually to spool so you'd have to That's hit it with funny. like a hundred shot and then it would come up on the converter you know and do like the normal two-step yeah, yeah. but uh it was just a uh, a lot of learning stuff throughout the year. So, like, I'd run out of, I don't have one bottle because I didn't have a truck, so I can't carry anything. So, it's whatever bottle I bring with me in my trunk. And, uh, like, it was just a lot of testing. Like, so towards the end of the year, I'm like, we're going to turn this thing up 55 pounds of boost nope. on a 6870. We're going to hit the night. We're going to leave the nitrous. Pounds. Oh, yeah. Holy hell. That, that was the thing. Like, I used to be so scared when we first turned it up to like 30 pounds. I'm like, 30 pounds? That's a lot. My tuner, I'd be like, you don't hear that number very often. No, no, I'm like, okay? are you sure? Yeah, I'm like, are you sure 30 pounds okay? <laughs> and then we started going up in like 35. I'm like, are you sure? And then we got to 40, and then at 40, I was just like, he's like, we're going to add five pounds or two pounds. And I'm like, okay. Well, do whatever <laughs> at this point. I'm, yeah. mes I'm in, this is mesmerizing. I, I, yeah, I was like, it should blow up by now. Like, um, so that actually, that motor lasted me after I blew up that one during like learning stages. Um, my, F22 that I built lasted two years at like probably, a, I mean, 50 pounds of boost. Um, Damn, that's loud. <laughs> so like 50 pounds of boost. And I had multiple tunes for like the street and the drag race. But as like, I kind of got uninterested in my car because I was just kind of over going to the drag strip. My close friend at the time moved away to Georgia that I was oh, yeah. drag racing with all the time. So then I didn't have like an import buddy that we'd go to the track every weekend or push each other to get there. That's fair, yeah. And uh, so then I just left the car on the drag race tune all the time on 50 pounds of boost on the street, just being dumb, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, definitely some scary like instances. somebody else do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a little- daily your car on 55. <laughs> and I would drive it to work. Dude, that was a thing. Like I, I would, anytime I could drive this thing, I would. And then I just got tired, like I started getting tired of it. So then I just let it sit in the garage actually for a year. And this is when I started drifting actually. I was, I, I started drifting in an E46 um, and that was good chassis, 330 stock power car, had it fully yeah. set up. And it was a great car to like learn the ropes in. And I'd say I picked it up pretty quickly. Just, I feel like most people that do extreme sports kind of get the idea of it. They just pick up the hand eye yeah. stuff quicker. And um, after about a year driving my E46, I felt like I needed more power, which I don't know if I really did, but uh, I came up with this dumb idea that I was going to turbo my BMW. And I was like, okay, you know, turboed a car before. Also, now I work on all my own stuff. I pull transmissions. I can put motors yeah, together. I can course, do all yeah. this stuff myself. So I'm way more confident in actually building something that's going to last. Um, so. Wow. What are they only running at eight? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. So, uh. So then I actually, I have a friend in New Zealand who drifts an S2000. And he's actually my first friend that I made from working at Link. As soon as I started working there, somehow he found out that I started working there from somebody in the headquarters in New Zealand at Link. Yeah. And he messaged me. He's like, oh, you got an S2000. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. He's like, I got one too. I'm going to start drifting it. And I'm like, you're dumb. <laughs> you know, like the typical person because everybody says Don't they suck. Do it. Yeah. And he's like, when are you going to convert yours? And my car's a full-on drag car. I'm like, never. 
I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to sell this car or whatever, get rid of it. Because I was so over it that I just wanted to get rid of it. And um, I really wanted NSX. First gen NSX is like my only car above an S2000 that I like really, really want to own one day. That's fair. So like I thought maybe if I sold it, I had it up for sale for a while. Had a lot of offers, like cash offers and stuff. But I just, I've owned the car now for eight years. And it's like at the time still, that was, you know, six years ago. So, or sorry. Yeah. A couple years ago, I owned the car for six years. It's just hard to get rid of. Uh, it's the only car that I've like, it's taught me everything, like working on cars. It taught me everything, bad times, good times. It was uh, That's how my it. Z is, man. I like uh, beforehand, like I dabbled a little bit and kind of knew some stuff about cars. But once you, uh, once you do like your first motor swap and shit, pull your first motor, Feel that's intimate. when you really start <laughs> learning everything about a car. It's yep. crazy. And you gain that confidence. So. That is. That's the biggest thing was... I probably could do a lot of the stuff. I just didn't have the confidence. Like, yeah. I was scared. I'm like, well, I can take this apart, but what if I don't know how to put it back together? You know. My biggest thing was I didn't want to lose a bolt. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that, bro. <laughs> Throw them all in a pile. Yeah, like, exactly. I'll figure it out when it comes back it, to it. Exactly. That used to be my thing when I first started taking cars apart. I'd like have paper towel and then like mark what the bolts from or whatever. <laughs> Dude, put them in bags. Yeah, yeah. I'd bag yeah. it. I'd be bagging and tagging. And now, <laughs> now it's just like, yeah, I know this bolt goes here. This bolt's there. You know, like I've taken my car apart so much now. And same yeah. like on other cars, working on other cars, it's like. You just figure it out. Like, don't be scared to just jump in and like. The only way to learn is literally to just do it. Like, yeah. I'm so glad I, I had nobody to help me, so I had to do it. And. God damn. And I, I didn't have the funds to pay somebody to work on my car, so like I, I could afford to pay somebody to tune it, and that was like that was it. And Andy would help me, like he would help me out, obviously. But like other than that, I had to, I had no choice but working on my own stuff, yeah. which I feel like a lot of us is that way, you know. Well, okay, so run me down how you kind of did convert the S2000 into a drift car. Because okay. I, I for sure want to know. Yeah. I know a lot of people are curious. Because okay. I've heard a lot of people talking about wanting to do that. It's yeah. a dream of theirs. So. Oh, yeah. Um, so this took a lot of convincing because I thought it was, like, I know there's a big stigma around S2000s in general, I feel like, in drifting. And I've definitely shut some of that down, I feel like, now because my car's got a little bit of publicity on some things. Yeah. Um. But everybody always says they're terrible drift cars, so I didn't believe it either when I was trying to be convinced. But I told my buddy, I was like, all right, you help me out with like some of the basic setup stuff. So I got like basic alignment settings because the car does have an electric power steering rack, which a lot of people think you need to get rid of that for it to work good, which is not true at all. I love huh. the electric power steering. It's huh. my favorite thing in the world. You don't overheat ele- uh, power steering pumps. You don't kill them. You don't snap off that the shafts. That is fair, man. Like, yeah. it's, I've never personally had any issues with it. Um, but people like to swap them. My buddy in New Zealand still runs one as well. Um, but the first things I did was, uh, so the car, I did never went to a solid axle luckily, because if I would have went to a solid axle, it would have made everything probably a lot harder to make it drive good as far as, yeah. uh, it would have been like four link style. It might've worked, but not as ideal as having an IRS still set up. Of course. Yeah. So, um, first thing I did was, uh, I had a LSD, my car was set up for eighth mile, no prep. So I switched the gear ratio because it was set up for only doing about 120 miles an hour. So, uh, man, gets me every time. They're ripping, man. Uh, so I started with that, changing that stuff. Uh, obviously, I had to get rid of the Turbo 400 because we wasn't going to drift with an auto. I needed the clutch pedal back in the car. Uh, so I sold that, and I put a BMW ZF5 in it, uh, five-speed oh, manual, wow. which was sweet for the fact of 
Uh, I broke a bunch of S2000 transes, which is why I went to the auto, too, for the drag racing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So putting that Turbo 400 in my car, I had to pound the shit out of the tunnel to make it fit, obviously, because it's a massive transmission. So putting this small little BMW trans, I can get to every single bolt super easy all the way around. <laughs> and, you know, it's really tiny and compact, and that that was awesome. And That's how I feel with the RB trans, because oh, the yeah. CDs are so massive. massive. It's tiny in yep. my trans tunnel. See, people tried to convince me to do CD instead of the BMW trans, and that was my only problem was, like, Dude, they're so big they're that enormous. I don't. I'm usually working on my car by myself, and I'm like, I don't want to have to lift this thing up into the car. Like, I can bench press a ZF. Super, I just did it. I broke a trans at the event last weekend and just had <laughs> to bench press a ZF into my car. But that's easy. Like, it's super light and small, so yeah. it's like that is convenient. Um, then I went down to a smaller turbo. Don't they have the carrying handle too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they they actually don't because they have a shifter linkage. Oh, so they okay, have the, okay, the DSSR right, yeah. that comes off the back. I wish. I've always thought that was funny. Yeah, though. the carrying the handles carry. on the yeah. S2000 Trans has one, and I know all about swapping those, so, yeah, too many carrying those, but, um, so then I went to a smaller turbo, too, because I had a 6870 Precision Turbo on the car, and it was way too big for, like, I mean, I knew about tire budget at the time, obviously, yeah. because I already drifted an E46, um, and I didn't want to make a thousand horsepower anymore. Also, I wanted the car. To, I was like, oh, if I have this motor that's built for a thousand horsepower, if I cut that in half and make five hundred horsepower, it'll be even more reliable, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I put like a thirty seventy six on the car. Worked like perfect turbo for a small motor like that. Spooled super fast. Made good power. Um, I made. Let's see, I'm trying to think of how much power I made. Uh, I think four ninety eight or something. I think I made with the F-Series with the smaller turbos when I switched nice. to the drift setup. Yeah, yeah. And I put an exhaust on it because I didn't want everybody ears, everybody's ears to bleed from an open up pipe driving yeah, behind them. It's just yeah. not the move. And I, I learned drift etiquette before I started doing all this stuff too. So it's like, good. yeah, I didn't want to up pipe. Learn it. But <laughs> it might, it, you know, I was like, my my buddy Andy's primarily drag racing. He's like, oh, you know, leave it. It's going to psych people out and stuff, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be that guy. So that was a big thing. I bought an off-the-shelf angle kit, which... There's only one that's offered currently. That's one thing I wanted to ask. Yeah. Like, what fucking angle kit? Because I don't know. I didn't know there even was one. Yeah, honestly. so it's it's angle blocks, basically, with different tie rods and some sleeves. Um, a lot of people, I don't know if they'll know the name, but Chris Jenneret, um, he was going to drift an S2000 and FD or did try to qualify a couple times. I don't think he actually ever did a 32 or anything in uh, FD. Yeah. But he has, like, an off-the-shelf kit called um, and a website called Bespoke Motorsports, and he sells a kit. And that was, like, my only option because my buddy in New Zealand had something totally custom. And it was, yeah, I wasn't going to pay the money to do it because my whole theory with all this was, like, hey, I have this S2000 that's a drag car. I can dumb it down and actually make money selling these expensive drag parts to dumb the car down. And if I don't like it and it's not good for drifting, well, guess what? I have a 500-horsepower street car that's probably way more fun and not as, like, not, I don't have to do as much maintenance yeah. to drive it around yeah. and enjoy it. So I was like, maybe it would make me fall back in love with the car again. Win-win uh, either way. Yeah. So I figured it was a win-win situation. And then I put the car together. And I've always hated the yellow. I hated the yellow. <laughs> I bought the car and it was yellow. Always hated it. So I decided that I was going to paint it. And I painted my car in my, my garage. First car I ever painted. And it actually came out awesome. I thought it was going to be like a 20-foot job. And my garage is not very nice, but, like, I did the best prep work I could and everything and painted this thing with Harbor Freight paint guns, like, and nope. I did it the right way, I guess you'd say, but I wasn't cleaning the paint guns. I just buy a new one every time. Like, I was like, nice, Fuck, clean Harbor them. Freight. Yeah, I was like, what the? I was like, $20, you know? I just keep throwing these away. But my garage is so small that I have to do things in batches. 
So I'm just oh, killing yeah. paint guns from like, hey, I got to roll the car out, put these body panels in, base coat, you know. <laughs> All right, base coat. These panels come out, the next panels go in, like... Yeah, there's a lot of pink guns did you go through? Too many. Towards the end, I uh, I was like, I forgot I had a, missed a couple things somehow or something happened, and I had to buy two more. So for the clear and base coat guns, I was buying like the thirty-five dollar guns, the little bit nicer ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, I wonder if Harbor Freight would warranty these. So I just took them there, and they're like, I was like, hey, this one's not spraying that good. They're like, oh yeah, no problem. Just gave me two because it was the last two. I'm like, I don't want to spend another sixty dollars. You know, like yeah. Most of my paint job was these fucking Harbor Freight paint guns. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the most costly part. <laughs> Holy shit. But the car actually came out awesome. I painted it Midori green because I'm a OG, like I'm a Honda kid at heart through and yeah. through. Hondas are my first love. I love that color, Yeah, they're, they're my favorite. I love everything. Like I love all cars, but Hondas, that was my problem with the BMW. I'm like, I never was a BMW kid before. Yeah. My buddy Dylan, who influenced me and Corey, influenced me to do a BMW. Um, Cause they're like, oh, they never break and blah, blah, blah. But all I did was break my car. Um, so I was like, oh, Honda's reliable. My car's is, you know, it's going to be perfect. And last year, <laughs> like, I took the car. Actually, so my first time I debuted the car was I came out to here for just a fun event. Mm. And I did, like, a photo shoot out here. And I drove the car and just did a couple laps in, like, the oval out here. I'm like, this car works good. Like, it felt awesome compared to my E46. I'm like, the power. What's the wheelbase on those? Um, so it's only three inches longer than a Miata. So oh, it's, wow. it's actually not as small as you would think. So um, okay. I think an FRS has a similar wheelbase. It might only be an inch shorter than a, like an FRS no or something. Way. Yeah, so people count them out and say they're too short of a wheelbase car, but they're actually really not that I think bad. It's just because the rear end is so short. That is. So, but that's so think about Corvettes now. You know, Corvettes have super, it's like a sports, yeah. it's a Roadsters type car. Um, and that was the weirdest part actually getting used to drifting it was that I sat so far back now. And so when I would be on a wall, I would be. That's what Josiah says about the it's Corvette weird. and stuff like that. Yeah. Because you literally feel like you're sitting over the rear tire. Correct. And, like, another thing that I had to get used to learning how to drive was I would think I had a bunch of angle, but I didn't. Because it was just, <laughs> it's, you know, it was just uh, that feeling of sitting over the rear tires would feel like you're extra sideways, but you really aren't because yeah. you're sitting so far back. It just, it felt like that. But, um, Wait, yeah. speaking of, how much angle does that kit make? Um, I've never measured it. I'd probably guess around 60-ish degrees, 63 oh, degrees. So, so it's not good. bad for, like, good angle blocks. Angle. Yeah. Um, I actually have a prototype kit that I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything yet from a different company. They put something together for me, um, like, full custom kit. Talking Sick. to him about trying to switch to something more serious because I've, I've been starting to do competition stuff and trying to just make the car drive better and better and, you know, I don't have the skill set to build an angle kit, um, and they do. So he offered, yeah. and I absolutely. And I've I've been slashing. What's your opinion on FDF? Uh, I, I love it. So I I hear so many mixed things. Obviously, just like I feel like there's so much missed information to, or people not actually maintaining their stuff. Like nut and bull check, in my opinion, is like a because I hear stuff. People say they come loose, but I feel like a lot of people that don't actually nut and bull check their car, whether they say they do or not. Mm. I rarely see people nut and bolt check yeah. their car. Every angle kit's going to come, the exactly. bolts are going to come loose. You've got it, it, to do the Exactly. Bolts, They're Heim joints, and it's all solid mounter, spherical stuff. Like, so yeah. it's going to shake loose. And most of it's like the the offset rack spacers yep. that people complain about, yep. I feel like. Yep. So, yeah, mine's... Keep that tight, and it doesn't Yeah, do don't that. have issues. It's just crazy. So mine's but. just a full custom upper, full custom lower, and then tie rod setup. Um, but I'm really excited to get that on. It should have more angle, and... The one thing I don't like about my current kit is I can't run very 
cool wheel spec, which I yeah. like. The aesthetics to me is very important in drifting. That's like part of it, you know. Yes. The car's got to look cool. Like you can't, you can't drive good without looking good. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds, yeah, it sounds exactly. bad, but it's like I feel like I drive better if my car looks good and I look good driving. If I'm mm-hmm. driving good and the car looks good. <laughs> yeah, you feel better when your car. Yeah, looks you good. do. That's like I don't know. That's like an old dirt bike quote, you know, or something. But uh, I love it. I mean. I don't know. That was my other thing. My E46 wasn't very cool. The S2000, I knew I could make like real hot boy or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, yeah. that's where I did like the three piece wheels when I first brought it out, wide fenders and like wide body and all that stuff was like cool. And I knew it was re- going to be really cool because nobody does them. So like I could mix and match like panels and like nobody makes anything drift specific except I started making. So my buddy and Alex in New Zealand and I, we have a dual caliper setup that we made for our cars. So, no way. Yeah, because I wanted to have a good handbrake. I didn't want to. I don't like inline, even though a lot of people love inline uh, yeah, handbrakes. I'm not, I'm not big on inline. I'm either. not a big fan either. I have one in my E46 and left foot braking with it. Like sometimes, not that you left foot brake handbraking that much, but like yeah. I, in some instances, would do that, and I didn't like how it feel. So I always I went to a dual caliper on that car, and then I just made sure I wanted to have dual caliper on this car too. Just so, yeah, and it's just fair. a feel. It feels better to me. Um, so we did that. Um, other than that, man, it's just like a really simple setup. Like, it blows my mind that people say they're so bad for drifting because I literally have some angle blocks off the shelf, uh, some up like adjustable upper control arms, adjustable rear upper control arms. Like, it's nothing crazy. Huh. And like, people say that they're bad for drifting. The one other thing that I do do, um, actually, now that I think about it, so the electric power steering. Okay. There's a downfall with it because uh, it has variable variable speed assist, so it changes with how fast you go. So obviously, wheel speed wise. That can make steering feel really weird. Stuff up, yeah. Yeah. So I have mine controlled with my link. So I can actually control the amount of assist. So I basically no send way. signals to the box and tell it that it's seeing this speed. So I can make it consistent, though. So I can have the steering feel consistent with this Hell much yeah. assist or this little assist. And I haven't played with it too much. I pretty much set it and it felt like good for me. Yeah. So that was like the one other thing that probably messes people up driving stock cars is that variable assist. The steering feeling changing course, constantly, yeah. but the cars drive awesome. Like, I'm not gonna say go out and buy one because they're really expensive. And I bought mine for. Would you say that's the only reason you would tell someone not to build it for drifting? Yeah, because if of the you, price. Yeah, if you have one and or you have a clapped out one or rebuilt title one and you want to do something dumb yeah. with it, like me, I feel like parts and stuff are still that part's cheap because it's Honda. Yeah, they're, so it's yeah, that's the, the initial thing. price of the car. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like. The F-Series is expensive, the motor. So, like, I have a K-Swap in my car now, K24. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason I never swapped early was just because I had so many F-Series parts from drag racing. i just buy the cheapest stuff when I'd see it on Marketplace. Or, like, I would just, because I stockpile. Scrounge it up. Yeah, literally, because I knew that I'd need it later. So, um, I'd do that. But then I switched to a K-Series just because I can find, like, I started traveling far for drifting. I'd go to US Airs eight and a half hours. And it's like, if I just lose an alternator here... I'm done for yeah. the weekend. Whereas a K series, I can go to any junkyard, any whatever. But yeah, overall, like drifting S two thousand is not that expensive. It's just the initial purchase price of the car makes it obviously unappealing for a drift chassis. No, of course. But yeah. um, they drive great. There's nothing like I guess any fabrication or anything you had to do to the car um, for drifting. I... No, honestly, like it's just literally that simple. Yeah, angle blocks off the shelf. My dual caliper kit. Um, Damn man. That's controlling the, like, so 
my buddy Alex in New Zealand doesn't even he didn't control the power steering rack until this year. He just drove with it how it was. So yeah. like it's totally possible. And his car is turbo. His his car is actually probably a little more serious than mine. It's quick change, sequential. Like his That's car is serious. serious. And he tells me I'm a better driver than him, but I don't. He drives in D1NZ. He's a, he's a ripper. Yeah. So he's been inspiring, but we're always pushing each other. He's like, you know, trying to get each other to keep going better. And the dream is one day that he's going to either come over here with his car and we're going to actually drive some, like, S2000 tandem laps together. Yes. So, like, it would be legit. It would be really cool. Dreams. Yeah. But I've been seeing, like, since I did my car and obviously the more stuff, like, because people always get stoked on it. People, uh, God damn. Um, people just like, I think seeing me doing it kind of has gotten rid of a lot of that, uh, like the sh- stuff that people would say like, oh, S2000s are bad drift chassis. I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. Like, cause people are like, why don't you drift an S2000? You know? And like, people are just like, it's bad drift chassis. And I was told that a lot when I had this idea of doing this, I was told this a lot, especially from some of my like actual friends too. But yeah. my close friends were like, dude, do it. That's going to be so sick if it works. Yeah. I love to see the oddball stuff. Yeah. It's I'm cool. For it. yeah. It's different. Like it's cool. I always love seeing weird, like cool cars or like the story on like the G body. I know there's a guy that drifted a G body. Um, at my local track by me and I'm like, yeah sweet as hell yeah like i just like seeing different stuff than like the normal cars with the same body kits like i don't know i still like that stuff but like it's yeah, always cool I mean, to I'll see. always look at a, a 240 or something with a big kit and everything yep. you know of course but it's cool dude well, when you see somebody makeshift something together in their shop their little tiny garage oh, yeah. and it looks cool as fuck oh yeah dude there's just nothing beats that to me no it really doesn't uh, well, I, I wanted to bring up, you just came off of a weekend out at the Toga event. Yep. The Drift Indy Toga event. How was that? I, I meant to go, but I just... Scary. Had to work. <laughs> it was scary. It looks like it. It was scary. Is that, honestly, like, it was it was nuts. So, like, uh, it's like third gear in my car, which is like 114 miles an hour wheel speed. So, like, Shit. we weren't doing that, but on my, like, GPS data, on my GoPro and stuff, it says we're doing, like, 70 to 75 on entry, and just the corners going uphill and downhill, and then, like, average speed through the corners is, like, mid-50s to low-60s. Wow. Yeah. It was committed. That's fast. It was committed. So, like, doing the first I'll sight lap. I'll put some clips in of, <laughs> of the actual event. Holy shit. Yeah. The, the media coming out of it is wild. Oh, yeah. It looks gnarly. Dude, that was another thing. It's like, I remember doing the sight lap and just seeing all the media vests, because this is in the mountains, mind you. Media vests are like all the way up in the sky, <laughs> like on a mountain <laughs> cliff, and then down in like a little ravine by like the inner cliff area, and it's just like people everywhere. Dude, that's, and, like, that's confusing. Okay, so how did they actually run that event then? So um, the way they did it was basically we had groups of 10. Um, there was there was only I think 30 of us selected. It was a very special select event because it was the first time I ever did anything. Yeah, like this. yeah. I know they want to do more stuff like this in the future, but the, so there was groups of 10 of us. Basically, we'd group up with our 10 buddies or whatever that we wanted to be driving with, and they would have a also like a normal uh, civilian vehicle in the front to basically clear the, like a pace vehicle sort of, um, and they would send us all at once and like you'd space yourself kind of out. Um, because obviously you don't want to be drifting and not be able to see the person in front of you because it's all blind corners mostly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you want to be able to see what's going on in front of you. And then we'd have a car at the back clearing us. Like, you know, it's another civilian car. So we'd go 10 up and then we'd come down and then the next group of 10 would go up 
Okay, so you didn't have to, it wasn't like circle back. No, 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 no. We were doing literally uphill, downhill, like a Seto style. Oh my God, dude, (laughs) that's hilarious. Oh yeah, the downhill. Wait, so you were, okay, wait, hold on, hold on. So drifting downhill, correct? Yep. Drifting back uphill? So we started on the downhill, we'd go up first and down second. Oh, wow. Does that not throw you off? Oh, Having to go flip back and forth, you're like, oh, fuck, I was going this way. It kind of, so that was the thing because we did one sight lap before we really started like, like, all right, let's do it. You know? So we do, oh, I, I remember man. on my sight lap, I'm like looking around, looking at the corners. There's a lot of rocks around here. Dude, man. yeah. I'm a like, what did I clips. sign myself up for? I'm like, this is nuts. I feel like I just got drafted to the war. You know, <laughs> like we're, we're all going through something traumatic together right now. <laughs> me and the homies, you know, I feel like we just got sent off to war. Jesus Christ. But, like, this is, obviously, it's, like, the dream. Everybody, you know, and I see the comments people leaving and stuff saying, like, oh, I wish I could do that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you, like, there's a lot of good. twice. (laughs) There's a a lot of good drivers there that I know that were there, and I think it humbled a lot of people. Like, people thought they were going to do it, and they got there, and they're like, it's just, it's a lot, man. Like, it's, the, the problem with it is, with something like that, you have to be committed soon as you enter. Because if you're half committed, that's when a mistake's gonna happen because you can't, there's no room for error there. Oh, like yeah. you have to be completely committed on point going through it. And the downhill section was the scariest for me because it's like where you would think you would come off throttle normally in a corner, you would have to come off throttle earlier because yeah. you would just naturally wanna float. And they're cambered, like the corners were all cambered and like, yeah, that was uh, the most. The most problems we've seen were, I don't think there was any crashes on the uphill. Everything was downhill. Like, just people, yeah. I think, you know, misjudging speed yeah, coming in. of course. But it, it was literally I saw one gnarly. BMW that, like, he got a little squirrely coming down a downhill section, and then he cut it really tight to the inside, and then close to, oh, that made my butt pucker just fucking watching oh, yeah. that one. Uh, but was, it, was the road really grippy or anything, or was it pretty so, slick? I would say, actually, it was decently grippy. Um, I aired up because, I mean, I just wanted the car to be loose to make it be easy to be able to slide. But it actually, like, on a set of Kendas, like, the road didn't feel numb. Like, it felt, yeah. you could feel what was going on um, pretty easily. And, like, yeah, that was wild, man. Like, the whole thing that I, that will always stick in my head is I remember sitting there, like, you know, because they would have the next 10 cars grouped up ready to go at the bottom of the hill waiting for the 10 cars to come back be watching and like you'd count like one two three four and yeah. there'd be no car and you're like fuck who is it you know like what happened yeah and that was the worst feeling every time like because everybody cares about everybody in the drifting community i feel like man yeah and course. like is this a terrible feeling watching 10 cars go up but only six come back you know or something you know it's just a weird feeling but like crazy so did, did anyone like fatally destroy their car honestly or what was no. the worst wreck uh, somebody like moved the back end of a G35 over pretty good, but like oh, everybody drove back down the hill, like shit. which is crazy because I seen some pictures and some of the crashes like definitely probably shouldn't have been able to, but like most people's <laughs> cars got out like very very lucky. Like uh, my homie Dylan, uh, he was falling, so he was behind me on our very first actual drifting lap, and this is my buddy with a Turbo E46, Dylan Lobostall. Uh, some of you people might know him, and he's a good driver, and he's following me up the uphill stuff because he trusts me, too. He knows that I have a good idea what we're doing, so he's going to yeah, trust yeah. my speed and everything, and we start coming down the downhill section, 
and I'm cooking because I don't really know what speed I need to go yet. So I'm scrubbing a ton of speed, but he doesn't know that. He's just coming in slightly uh, behind me with my speed mm. and just washed right off, like first first lap on the downhill and backed his car into the wall. But he got so lucky. It just literally, like, bent his exhaust, ripped his bumper off, and he oh, backed it into, like, a, a ravine with his two tires up. <laughs> Did anyone get close to, like, guardrail flipping? or? Uh, No guardrail flipping. Somebody did hit That's a guardrail, good. but, like, honestly. How hard could it be? Yeah. You're not, not going too, too fast. Well, yeah, some of the people were just also drifting only a few corners, you know? That's like, fair. Okay. But to, to, to do the whole section, you had to be committed from turn one because you had to have the momentum to drag everything out, like. How long of a road was it that you got to actually drift? Um, I think it was a half a mile. Oh, okay. That's so, fair. like, not yeah. super huge, but, like. So, say, you probably get worn the fuck out by the end of it. Oh, dude, the adrenaline. <laughs> the <laughs> adrenaline from it is literally just nuts. Like, we were allowed to tandem, too, but, like, I mean, we, we weren't really tandem. We were more, like, car, car, like, a little bit of yeah, space yeah. kind of tandem, but, like, not really. Um, and then I broke my car halfway through the day, so, like, I think we would have probably, because people were getting spicy, like our group was getting spicy, but um, comfortable with it. Yeah, just way she goes sometimes. <laughs> I'm just glad I got to experience it, because the day before I broke a knuckle at the competition and somehow sourced a knuckle in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee and drove two hours to go pick one up so I could drive okay. the toge, because that was like that was a bu- I knew it was gonna be a buckleless thing, and I think still like after this whole event, it doesn't. It feels so surreal that we even did it, and I think it's gonna be really hard to ever match like yeah. something that to wild that one yeah and i think that like going on in the future i don't think they're going to do as faster roads because it was it was gnarly it was not for the faint of heart i heard someone say that they they really enjoyed it and the town loved it and they want to keep doing it uh but and then they have better roads apparently that it could even be done on so That's, i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah. here we go That's yeah. what i like to hear yeah yeah uh it was crazy like the whole experience so like i don't know a lot of people probably don't know about street league but it's probably like one of the bigger things in the midwest it's mm-hmm. a basically like a 245 um small tire type shootout it's like street cars but it's mostly based on styling you gotta have a good looking car like that's in the tech so it like that's the cool part about it is it ever all the cars look cool so every battle like looks super cool yeah um but it was the first time we went to corbin kentucky and we did like a whole police escort to downtown and like it was like wow. a parade man like the people were waving like they're so excited because <laughs> they awesome. haven't had like they don't see stuff like this yeah and like we go to downtown like the main street and like park all our cars and there's tons of like spectators and they're like wow. so stoked about it and it was the coolest like i'm a nobody and it made me feel like i was like special you yeah know? it was like a good feeling and i think everybody kind of had that feeling like it just made you feel warm and fuzzy inside like all this time in the garage all this time and like money you spend and all the effort and like i mean it was an eight hour drive for me just one way to get there and it's just like it's a lot of stuff and most people don't appreciate that you just do it for yourself and like that made me kind of feel like man maybe this is like not that i'm doing it for anybody else but i'm like maybe this is kind of like yeah it felt good it was like it was a good feeling it was a really cool experience, man. I can't wait to go back because I'm pretty sure we're going to go back because everybody just loved it. Like, yeah. I gave uh, gave one of the Kentucky congressmen a ride along. Like, Fuck He yeah. was so Dude, stoked. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It was the most ride-alongs I've gave ever, probably, in my car. Yeah. And everybody was just like, it was congressmen, people that owned, like, the stadium that we were drifting at in the parking lot. Like, everybody was so stoked on it because they're like, oh, you know, we don't know what to expect. Like, they're telling us all yeah. this. And then they're like, this is crazy. You guys are <laughs> awesome. You know, 
and like luckily we're all respectful and nice of the lot and like i'm pretty sure we're coming back like i i hope yeah. where's your pit at so it's a giant so basically imagine like an arena for like a concert or something okay. so like we'd parked all of our rigs on one side or are you saying for the toge stuff for the toge okay so for the toge sorry. no <laughs> sorry i'm going back and forth uh so for the toge stuff we had like a, a set lot that because there wasn't a ton of us so we basically had three lots taken over with our stuff and we'd just have to sit in our area which was all kind of spread out and somebody yeah. would just radio in and be like hey your guys' group and you'd go up so, oh wow okay yeah that's fair and they brought in a food truck one of the local food trucks for nice. us into one of the lots so everybody got to support the local food lady and her food was Gotta awesome it was a banger so that was also like a cool thing just giving back to the community so they, they appreciated that you know yeah. so like nobody went anywhere else to get food everybody literally bought food at that food truck supported that lady i'm sure helped her out because there was a lot of us and we all eat a ton you know we're <laughs> yeah, <drifters. yeah. laughs> right all right so i i've been talking about how i need an ecu forever but you work for link so how, tell me how you kind of came across that job opportunity and started working with link so actually a pretty weird story um, at the time, I was working for a company called Mahindra, which they're known for building a lot of tractors. Um, but huh. what I was specifically doing was prototype stuff called these Mahindra Roxers. And they're basically like old Willys Jeep replicas, but they're not a passenger vehicle. They're like for UTV purposes. Oh, cool. So I was doing uh, like assembling those. And somebody recommended me to somebody, one of our tech guys now, uh, recommended me for a job to them because they were looking for a sales guy. Yeah. And my name got brought up because I'm just, a lot of people think I'm very personable and I talk a lot and I'm friendly. I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You know? And uh, so like, and a lot of people like, I'm just very personable. So um, I got recommended for a job, did a phone, <laughs> did, did a phone interview uh, with my now current boss and then uh, I actually got the job. So like, it was a long process. I actually didn't, I kind of gave up on thinking I was going to get the job because it ended up taking like three months. Um, wow. Yeah. It was like a, hey, you know, we'll check back in type thing because they weren't sure what they were going to do or how they, this is like kind of when we first started becoming more prevalent and being our own entity in the U.S. because mm -hmm. our, our company is based out of New Zealand, but we have a lot of subsidiaries yeah, uh, yeah. all across the globe. So this, our U.S. subsidiary is pretty young at the time and they weren't sure if they actually wanted to hire somebody or not. So, gotcha, okay. yeah, so that I kind of lost yeah. faith. I'm like, ah, I'm yeah. not getting the job. Like, it's yeah, too, too it's good to be believe. whatever. Yeah. So what? I just I was like, it's too good to be true. You know, yeah, like, yeah. my luck doesn't work out like that. But I did get the job. And now here I am, like, uh, I think it's five years later. And uh, Damn, I do a lot yeah. of different stuff, man. Like, I love my job to death. Uh, there's definitely. Personally, I've always loved Link. It just the way they embed themselves in not only just like social media and stuff. YouTube, all that, but a lot of grassroots drivers. It yeah. seems more grassroots than almost bigger names, because bigger names, it's really just a logo on the side of the car. There's yep. nothing really being said about it. So, yep. yeah, that was kind of like that was a really cool thing about when I got hired. Being at Link is like a family. Yeah, like it feels like a second family. Which I mean, usually you say that with your friends, which I agree. With my friends the same way, but like. Working at Link feels like I work with a family of my homies. So like it, it's awesome. it's a, it's a really cool thing. And like, like I said, there's not one day that I'm not thankful for my job. Like I love everything I do. I love all the people I meet. I love all the things I get to do and all the opportunities. Like, it's it's changed my life. Yeah, hundred percent. So what's what's like a typical day job for you then? What do you do on a 
daily basis? So my actual job title is uh, I do all the North and South American, or no, not South American, North American uh, sales and dealer accounts. So okay. we don't sell directly to anybody. Um, you have to buy it from a certified dealer. Yeah, so yeah. I deal with all those accounts, like say bigger companies that buy our product and sell it to end users is what we call it. Um, but responding to emails, I also do a lot of marketing stuff and sponsorship stuff. So like if you send your sponsorship stuff on the website, I'm going to be the one that reads it. Yeah. yeah. So make it something cool. <laughs> make it stick out. Just don't do the typical like links the best thing in the world type yeah. responses. Like I do video proposals. Videos, dude, video is awesome actually. Yeah. That's, I don't see it very often, but video stuff is very That's good why. because I like visual stuff. Visual <laughs> yeah. stuff, like something that you can actually sit down and watch and be like, this is a very well put together piece. Like this person actually cares mm -hmm. about this proposal and they probably will offer something back in return for the company. Yeah. So like, exactly. I, I do a lot of different stuff, um, but mostly sales, marketing, dealer accounts managing um, is my normal day-to-day -day stuff. So, or like people calling in, finding out, hey, what ECU fits my car the best? And, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so I do a little bit of everything though. Like I, I have you some. Did it with me, for my dumbass thought it was the <laughs> the Neo ECU. Yeah. He was like, no, buddy, you need this one. Yeah. <laughs> I do that. That's the that's the thing though. It's just like. There's some things that are really easy to get confused, and I'm basically the guy that just points you in the right direction, you know, and steers you to the right thing to make sure you don't buy things twice. Yeah. So yeah. I try to help everybody save money, you know, that, like, we're not trying to make, obviously, a fortune off our stuff. Our, best, our products are very well competitively priced, and, um, yeah, I just want everybody to have the best experience with the product. And the most easy-to-use product is the most important thing to me because I know nothing more frustrating than opening something and having to read instructions and actually, like, struggling to figure it out. So being oh, able to yeah. just plug it in, it works, that's, like, the most important thing in my opinion. Oh, of course. And reliability, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Can't have that. So what if you could give your, like, sales pitch almost on why – Link would be better than its competitors or whatever. Or would you even, I guess, I would say it compares to them? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously all ECUs, they function. They all do very similar things. There's certain things that set them apart from other things, like other ECU companies. Mm -hmm. um, one of the big things being reliability. Um, I don't know. A lot of people back in the day probably experienced with some ECUs, like ECUs showing up not working on arrival. Like, yeah. So we have a ton I've of pride that. in making sure our product works so like we have some crazy qc tests to make sure that we have the normal qc test for the place that builds our ecus and then we have an additional qc prep test that we test these ecus in this burn-in tester is what we call it and it fully functions all the outputs and inputs at full capacity and then it's a con temperature controlled thing so it'll go out down to negative 32 oh, degrees fahrenheit for 30 minutes or whatever with all these running at full capacity and then up to like 180 degrees with all the stuff at full capacity yeah, and then that's our QC test after already our manufacturer's QC test. So, like, we have a very small failure rate, and because we know how frustrating that is. You spend a bunch of money, yeah, and something shows up, and it doesn't work out of the box. Yeah. Like, it's also not a great look. So, like, we take a lot of pride in that and customer service. Like, I go probably way too far above and beyond, but just that's just who <laughs> I am. Like, I respond. Like, if I was to get a message right now on whatever it may be, social media, obviously being at Link for now, a lot of people know me as the Link guy. So, like, I feel bad. Directly and stuff. Yeah, so people yeah. will message me and like, sure, right now I'm technically not working because it's whatever time at night, 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night. But I just, I respond because that's, I'm just yeah. the guy I am. I always respond no matter what time. Sets as long apart. as, yeah, like I, I love helping people. That's 
probably why I would say I'm pretty good at my job is because I just really enjoy helping people and seeing getting that satisfaction out of them to enjoy something. So it's, it's the helping somebody thing that like, I guess gets me going. That's you the know. drifting world. Though, it is. It just seems that way. It really is. That's the drifting world is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so why why would you say for? Because I have a lot of newer viewers. I'm yep. sure you know that. But um, why would you say that someone would most definitely want to go stand alone over any other type of ECU? So the biggest thing when switching from like a standalone, say we'll say like a flash tuner or something. Um, going to a standalone like a Link gives you so many safety features to make sure that you're not going to blow up your expensive motor, like having an SR20 or something. You don't want to blow that thing up, you know? Yeah, you yeah, want to have oil pressure safety or fuel pressure safety or all these safeties prevent you from costing yourself more money. Sure, a standalone's expensive, or, I mean, I think it's very well, like, fairly priced competitively for what you get. There's so many features and safeties. Um, but I think the investment in buying an ECU is a long-term investment, obviously. It's not... This might not be something that helps you right away if you have yeah. just like a very simple setup, but it's something that could save you thousands of dollars later down the road. Yeah. So like um, just some of the functionality too, like with flash tuners, you're not going to have some of the motorsport features and stuff that we, um, like an ECU like Link would have. Um, the flexibility with the software to be able to come up with some crazy ideas to like, well, we have somebody I know just recently that um, made it so their ethanol content sensor would make their RPM gauge go to whatever percent. So say it was 8,000 RPMs on their thing. So that'd be Whoa. 80% ethanol content. And they could just do that by turning the key on and then it would it would sweep to huh. wherever, whatever percentage it would have. So you could, if they didn't have like a display unit, that's what they would use. No shit. Yeah, so you, like the flexibility with our software is absolutely insane and things you can come up with to do. Like it's, it's endless, honestly. Wow, okay. And, and we're always willing to like, if somebody has some type of request for features or something, like we're always all ears, Yeah. you know, like we're not, we don't have a stick up our ass or anything like that. Like we, we listen, we, we love the community. That's why we support the grassroots community so much. Cause if it wasn't for grassroots all stars, man. Yeah, man. Like that's we're everyone that's spending the money. Exactly. Like, and that's the people that are really down in the trenches, like using this stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't find that, uh, I would say, very often in motorsports companies. I like that we see it a lot in drifting-specific yeah. companies. Um, well, how did you kind of get into working with Riverside? I guess, do you technically work for Riverside? Or? So, um, I don't technically work for Riverside. We just sponsor the event. But I do look at Ryan as, like, a friend now because I originally came down here two years ago to check out, basically, our marketing investment. Because we sponsored Riverside as before the 50K and the big payout series stuff. Um, we just sponsored them as a grassroots yeah, yeah. Uh, series. Because that's what we were into is helping out the grassroots series. So I came down here kind of just to check it out because nobody had been out here before. And um, honestly, the facility, I'd just seen the potential and what we could do here. And uh, <laughs> it's so hard to talk every time with that thing. We're at a racetrack. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I just seen the potential of what could possibly done with the crew that ryan had and the facility so yeah. that's kind of we started spitballing ideas uh and things kind of came to fruition and that's how we came up with the 50k stuff so then me coming down here making multiple trips obviously because it took a lot of planning to make stuff like this happen yeah um me and ryan just became friends or you know more than just business uh asides and i try to help out as much as i can obviously i'm here to represent link but i'm also here to make sure riverside 
does yeah, a fantastic job and help them and out. Yeah. yeah, anything that can help them. Helps on both parts. Exactly, exactly. And I, it's also, it feels like, you know, like I'm judging this weekend and I just want to be able to, I like help giving back to the community myself. Like, like I said, yeah. I like being able to help. So like any way I can help or make people have a good time, like that's what I try to do. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think that with, I would say drifting's growing quite exponentially mm -hmm. uh, do you see a lot of these bigger payout events coming into flourishion or do you kind of see them withering away and keeping more grassroots involved so i think it's kind of a weird time because i think if you asked me this question last year i would say i think these bigger events were kind of popping up everywhere which mm -hmm. like there was these shootout events clutch kickers obviously was going on um that was causing a lot of noise um, yeah, yeah. but now a lot of stuff seems like it's kind of faded out um, I don't know what the future holds for these events, but I know a lot of people, it seems like, are starting to enjoy, like, the smaller tire stuff. Because the pro cars, the one thing I've noticed with uh, being at an event like this or trying to get drivers to sign up for an event like this is a lot of people are, don't want to show up because Adam LZ or somebody's showing yeah, up. they don't want to get their ass handed to them. Exactly. Or break, be the one that fucking runs into their car. Correct. And makes, makes, yeah. Yeah, so that's, like... I think the first time we started doing these, a lot of people did want to sign up because they're like, I get to drive with this person. Yeah. But then once they realized how serious this level of driving is, kind of scared a lot of people away. So, like, I think that there's two I think there's two separate markets in this. So there's, like, FD, obviously. And then there's, like, these open grassroots shootouts, which are basically no rules, Wild Wild West style kind of yeah. in a way. Um, and that that's open to everybody. But I then also think there's these smaller series that are like street legal, smaller tire, more for the real grassroots guy, I would say. Because mm -hmm. some of the open events like this, in my opinion, almost isn't even grassroots anymore. Like a lot of these cars are basically pro cars. These are rowdy cars. Yeah, they're, they're serious not. cars. That's And that's one thing that I honestly kind of, I hate to see that too. Because that just means that these type of events are going to start, I, I would say, withering away. That's yeah. why I wanted to ask. Um, but... I feel like if there was more regulations to it, I guess it could work. Yeah. But there's also got to be that incentive for um, spectators, Correct. like the way Grid Life does it. Yep. It's basically the experience. A, yeah, yeah. You get a whole different experience other than just cars yep. while you're there. Yeah, it's kind of like a bundle package is what you really need. Because, like, drifting on its own is getting big, but at the same time, it's still hard to sell to the average person. They don't really know what drifting is, I feel like. Like yeah. it's yeah. you go to a gas station, it's becoming more um like more prevalent. Is like somebody would be like, Oh, that's a drift car, like point at my car. I'm like, Yeah, that is a yeah, drift car. Dude. But like a couple of years ago people were like, What is yeah, drifting? What the fuck is that? Yep, exactly. Like so, the the Fast and Furious stuff? Yep. That's exactly but how the conversation would go. The problem is now is all this takeover stuff is also getting huge. So they think that's drifting. So it's kind of also like tainting the average civilian about what drifting is. So trying to get them to an event, like Gridlife does a great job of doing the concert and road racing and has all these different aspects. You know, it's a full festival. Yeah. And that brings in so many different demographics that then they have to kind of watch drifting and they're like, this is really entertaining. Like, yeah. I feel it's like the average person, something. yeah, you sit them down out here in the spectator stand, they know nothing about it and then they, they watch us and they're yeah, I'll sit here all day and watch it. Yeah. It's very entertaining, you know. They don't might not understand what's going on, but man, it's, it's extremely entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know where that fine balance of like payout events because obviously as a driver myself included, 
I would love to win a lot of money every time I went to a competition, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, the ROI, like looking from a company side, might it might not always be sustainable. Like the, for the driver, it might be a great a great thing. You might get to drive with these great people, but for these, there has to be sponsors involved with events like this. You can't just front the money. You know, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a hard ecosystem. It, it's it's a really good question, honestly, because I think right now. It's an interesting time for shootout series, you know. Yeah, it's, well, especially economically. Uh, I mean, just everyone's broke. Yep. Dude. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that are pissed that they can't be here. Yep. Just because they couldn't afford the simple spectator ticket. Yep. And I fucking hate that, man. Oh yeah. Without getting into politics. <laughs> <laughs> God, I, there's some times where I want to fucking scream about politics on oh, this yeah. podcast, but. It's the world we live in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, what do you do you think that there was anywhere that let's say Ryan could have improved on in this series this year? I think a lot of things. Um we thought were good ideas that probably could have been changed was we did a New Jersey event this year. We did two fifty Ks this year. So we did one in New Jersey. We thought it would be good because it was right after Englishtown, so we thought we'd pull a lot of the Formula yeah, Drift drivers. Cool, yeah. But the problem with that was there was already too many events. Kind of, It was oversaturated because there was the LZ World Tour event, then there was FD, and then there was uh, the Riverside event. So mm-hmm. it kind of already was like, yeah. as a spectator, we didn't really think about this, I think, at the time, but as a spectator, you already probably took off your work to go see one of those other events already. Yep. So that, that was kind of a bummer. It was also Fourth of July weekend, which we didn't think about, you know. We're like, drifters are die hard. They're going to show up. Which yep. we, just, we had great drivers, just spectators wasn't as many. And then with this weekend, we originally had this scheduled in May. And there was some date changes with some other events. And I think Hyperfest ended up getting rescheduled the same day that this was on. So it was pulling a lot of drivers, too, and, like, sponsorship priorities for other drivers to go to certain locations. So we decided to reschedule it. And now I think it's just kind of late in the year where people's cars are already broke or money's kind of getting thin, you know. Yeah. And the economy, like you said, is just it's not getting any easier right now. It's definitely it's getting worse. So worse I think worse. that that's kind of part of it. I think a lot of the important part is just scheduling around events like these is making sure that there's no conflicting things to get as many good drivers as you can out here. And uh, the marketing aspect of it obviously is huge. Yeah. I think the marketing aspect. It's almost like event hosts, I guess, need to all, honestly team up in a sense. That way there's not so many people trying to host all these events. I mean, of course, you want to be you want to be that guy up top that's handling everything. I, I'm sure everyone would, but... It it's just becomes too much of a a, a spaghetti nest. It's oversaturated. The, it's the drift community. That's one of the things that's kind of I think going to become a problem is that drifting is getting so big and it's becoming so oversaturated with different like venues and places. Yeah. That yeah. before you only had one place you could probably go every month or something. Now. Every single weekend, there's multiple drift events probably within eight hours, you know, 10 hours of you anywhere you're at in America almost, you know, unless you're in some podunk area. But like generally, you have a lot of choices for where you want to go drive. And that's also it's good and a bad thing. Like, it's good that you can go drive wherever you want, but it's a bad thing because it's taking money from, you know, it makes it so only the strongest organizations survive where if they all teamed up together, it would be better, I think, essentially. And now that we have oversaturated the drift events i feel like the i guess enthusiasm to or fomo really that's the way i would explain it the the fear of missing out on an event is just isn't there anymore 
I agree. Because yeah. it was just an always another event. Yeah. Next week. Like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll <laughs> catch the next one. Or I've, I've even found myself in scenarios where I'm like, this track's pretty cool. This one's definitely better. It costs $100 more. But it's worth it. But... <laughs> Wait, how many people are going to this one? Who's yep. going to the, did, yeah? Who's going to drive this one? So many fucking questions, <laughs> and then yeah, that that's what needs to kind of we need to find a breaking point to yeah. keep that from happening. But like a fine line. That's yeah. that's funny because I get told I have FOMO, because but opposite way where I yeah I do have FOMO not opposite way but I just always want to go like I don't want to miss out on anything like I don't know one of my favorite things that. that I've experienced this year is that's really cool about drifting and I think kind of goes unsaid sometimes. Is just how many different cultures there really is in drifting. It's oh, nuts. Yeah. Like going to English Town, I was out there for two and a half weeks. Totally different vibe than being out here in the Midwest. Yeah. Like totally different. And then I've gone to, I, I went on a couple of drift weeks over in the Pacific Northwest. I went on drift week two and three um, and seeing like Arizona, Muscleman scene and like Texas. Like it's all so different. It's insane. Yep. Like, yeah. Really if you, cool. If though. you had to choose, where would you say in the country it has the best drift scene? Oh, man, I'm gonna get, I'll get axed for this question. <laughs> uh, I think I won't put that part in the. No, I, 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 I'll answer this question and I'll stand with, behind it with pride because I'm a driver there. But I'd say Midwest is best. You know, come catch us, they, dude. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. We literally say, of course, any if you ask anyone that question, they're just gonna say where they're from. Yeah. No. As simple as that. So I think or where they're used to driving. I think. It would be really cool. Maybe some event promoter could take this idea. But I think it would be really cool if somebody did some type of event that takes, say, the best five guys from this organization, the best five guys from this organization, the best five guys from this organization, ah. and does, like, some type of cool shootout like that. Like, it doesn't even have to be for big money, but, like, that'd be super cool. Like, Final Bout has, like, it's kind of cool, like, yeah. style thing, but it and it doesn't it's even like have to be... fantasy battles. Yeah, like, it would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, it would be really cool, like, to see, you know... Or some type of invite system like that. I think it would be a really cool event like to a do. Playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's basically like a big playoffs for the USA of drifting. You know. Damn. But, that's smart. Yeah. Man. I've thought about this. Like, I think it would be pretty cool. Well, to do something if like you want to do it, Link probably has your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely would be sweet. Oh man. Since you've been kind of in not just the drift scene but the car scene in general for such a long time what's something that you've seen change over the years that you absolutely just can't stand hmm burble tunes <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> i can't dude <laughs> oh man so we have a thing called the woodward dream cruise which is considered the actually the biggest car show i think in the usa which is in michigan every year it's the third weekend of august every yeah. year crazy really massive um so, like, I go down there usually every day the week before because it's just packed with people. But, man, that's, like, our normal weekend hangout spot. And I'll be riding down there on my Grom or a motorcycle or my car. And anytime anybody sees, like, a car like mine, they're, all, of course, always trying to do something, like, stupid or of trying course, to race yeah. or whatever. And somebody in a Focus ST or, you know, Golf GTI will pull up right next to me and just let off the old throttle and pop, 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 pop. I'm like, I literally will do this. Just a big old <laughs> thumbs down. I'll be like, good. Good. And the, Don't like, encourage that no, shit. Good I, God. That's one thing I can't stand. I feel like like everybody's always kind of been in the noises, but like I feel like back in the day, there definitely just wasn't... Burble tunes weren't really a thing. No. You would have like the normal off-throttle exhaust popping stuff, but like purposely setting your car up to make noises like that. And it doesn't sound good. Like it, mm. It's cool when it does it naturally. Like if you have a big power car and you let off throttle and it does something like naturally yeah. and like sounds cool, 
but not when you're like purposely trying to feed this thing more fuel or cut ignition timing to make it sound dude my old vr6 that i had the i had it straight pipe dude whenever you <laughs> whenever you let off man that just sounds amazing hey vr6 burbles is, a little bit oh yeah vr6 right. unspoken one of the awesomest motors i love that motor I want to do. I want convert one to a rear wheel drive and put there, it in something. Uh, there's a guy. I think his name Randy Noah. He's got a VR6 BMW that that's turbo. Familiar. Yeah, he's from Florida. He's got a turbo VR6 uh, BMW E46 on link. Hell <laughs> uh, yeah! And uh, <laughs> yeah, that car sounds wicked. And it's the only one I've so never seen anybody. Do. Dude, they are. That, that's like one of. I'm a Honda guy through and through. Hondas don't usually sound good, I'll be honest. <laughs> but VR6 motor is like one of the best sounding motors on the planet, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So good. I miss that car every fucking day. I've said that so many times. <laughs> Dude, I miss it, man. See, I might be biased because oh. my older brother had a Mark III Jetta that I used to ride in when I was a young kid. And I'd be like, this thing sounds cool. Fuck and, yeah. <laughs> and like, it still stuck with me to this day, man. I've always yep. liked the sound of VR6s. They're just cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had my... Actually, I was racing a, a V6 Mustang one day after um, a shift, a late shift at Kmart. Shout out. If you, if you still got a Kmart around you, that's crazy. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, he was like, dude, it's freezing fucking cold. It was like 20, 30 degrees outside. He was like, you want to go race him? I was like. Don't come on, bro. You don't. Let's not do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we go out on the on the fucking the main road, surprisingly. And I let my car warm up for maybe five minutes. Perfect. Maybe five. <laughs> and we go out. We do three pulls. The first pull, I smoked him. The second pull, I I started to take off and I spun and then I heard a loud pop and it scared the fuck out of me. So I let <laughs> off and. Uh, then I, nothing, I didn't hear anything weird going on. So we, I ran him again and I beat him again on the third one. Um, and then once I got parked, I went back under my car, dude, literally just blew apart the muffler. <laughs> just completely blew a hole in it. It was like frayed out and oh, shit. Yeah. It was hilarious. Like a bomb went off. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they just rip off from the back. So I just yanked it off oh, yeah. and Left it straight pipe from there on. And it was probably a good thing because it's yeah, they no, sound it good. sounds amazing. You bless the world. <laughs> yeah. I think the muffler was like gutted a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Uh, or messed with, or it already had small Maybe hole. Maybe it gutted it had itself. a little bit of a tone to it yeah. when I got it, but it probably yeah. gutted itself. Probably. <laughs> it started falling apart yeah. internally, Volkswagen like Volkswagens do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Volkswagen stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, I guess. We'll kind of wrap it up from there. Um, okay. Give me your absolute best piece of advice for anyone just getting into drifting. Hmm. This is always a good one. It's, it's why it's at the end of every episode. So my advice is get a low-power car. Don't just buy some big-power car. I know I'm going to sound like the typical person, but it's true. <laughs> get a low-power car, under 300 horsepower, in my opinion, um, and just learn to drive the line. That's one of the things that I see a lot of people miss is that they get in the low power car, get into a bigger power car, and they or in a low power car they just never learn to actually like use momentum and learn the correct line, how to carry momentum and stuff in a lower power car. And I'm That's grateful. Why I tell people go faster. Yes, just go faster. Speed makes everything easier. Yeah, generally, even crashing easier, it makes it easier. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, speed is speed is key because like learning momentum in a low power car. And just turning laps, man, get yourself something reliable 
that you don't have to touch. Um, E46, E36, G35, 350Z, best seat time cars in the world. I've never drove a Z or a G35, but I know that the people that have them never pretty much touch them. Cheat cars. They dude. just work. They're just they got good power. Cars. They work, and you can just do tons of laps and learn it. That's the thing. A lot of people don't learn the line um, in momentum cars before moving up to something with more power. And that's just handicapping yourself when you go up to something with more power. That's one thing I always hated because I would, whenever I first started, I and like started actually tandeming and stuff, I would get in line with people and like say uh, MIR. So there was one time we did um, the long sweeper under the bridge, okay, and it comes out and it was basically a bunch of S's into the road course layout and. People would come shallow on the sweeper and then dart straight through the middle yep. and just try and flick it back and forth as fast as possible. And I'm like, that looks so stupid. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> you have the ability to come all the way out wide on the sweeper, come back at the wall right where people are standing, yep. and then do the same thing. Yep. Why? I don't. I never understood that. I don't people know. would just try and get as fast as they possibly could through the course. Yep. Without hitting any type of zone. Sorry, <laughs> that, I had to throw that ran out there. No, I I agree <laughs> because I see the same thing where like people are learning, and the big thing is I feel like newbies always want to be up on the wall or they want to ride the wall, and it's just like yeah, it's cool, but like personally me. I'm not into hitting people's cars. I like getting as close as I can and not touching them. Getting close to the walls as I can and not touching them. That's cool. Yeah. Smashing your shit into a wall, not cool. Smashing your shit into somebody else's car and just banging off each other. Sure, a door rub's cool sometimes, mm. but don't be just blasting into each other, man. Like. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not cool. Being this close to each other and not touching each other is way cooler. Like, that's way more car control, in my opinion. I could hit somebody every lap if I wanted to, but I'm not trying to do that. You know, like just boof them up. Yeah, I might even just drive and T-bone them. Yeah, (laughs) but no, yeah, just learn the line, learn to carry momentum. That's like the biggest thing that I feel like that benefited me is driving my E46 stock power and learning how to like keep momentum because then you can keep up with fast cars and a slow car, and that's cool. Yeah, (laughs) that's why I always suggest for people to start low power because it it really teaches you how to actually handle a car, teach way the the clutch works. Yep, you don't realize how much you drive with the clutch. Oh yeah. Non-stop in a low-power car. Yeah, dude. Especially you start gripping a fucking Z up. Oh, I was yeah. running near, 255, near. 265. <laughs> Half-inch toe in, man. I'm like, bam, bam. Yeah, you're doing a dance the whole time. Bro. You're doing a dance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right foot's just pinned. Yep. Bing, bing, yep. bing, bing. That, that is literally your break. <laughs> yeah. No, that, another thing, too, that I think is good that people will probably say the opposite is, I don't think it's a bad thing to add angle as long as you're not overusing it. Because I know a lot of people say don't add angle to a car until you're comfortable. Well, I learned with angle blocks and a dual caliper kit, or sorry, handbrake. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you're not overusing that stuff, like over angling in a corner and then like driving out of it, like, yeah, don't do that shit. Have a friend that's gonna tell you you're sucking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, like, don't do that stuff. I I like when people people say that, because people grab a, get an angle kit and then They'll actually be scared to go all the way to full lock. Yep. I'm like, good, stay that way. Yep. Stay that way. Yep. Slowly work into it. it. That's the proper way to learn on an angle kit. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. And in momentum cars, you should not ever. I had a, like I said, I had an inline, and I would never touch that handbrake unless I was chasing somebody. Yeah. There's no reason you ever be barely ever need to be using a handbrake in a low power car when you're leading, mm. ever. 
You should be nothing but throttle and clutch, like you said. Yeah. Like, it's just a crutch in case, or an adjustment tool is what I call it. Yeah. Just in case you need to make a small adjustment or save yourself. <laughs> yeah. So Throw it in a little yep. too wonky. But All right. Well, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. This, this was, was a great sweet. episode, actually. Yeah. I'd love to do another one of these for sure. Yeah. Well, tell them to come to the studio in the comments section. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But if you want, go ahead and plug yourself, plug yeah. your people. Um, it's, so, it's getting a little dark. I'm yeah, sorry. definitely. Sorry if the video is a little dark out here. But uh, <laughs> my Instagram is the Justin Medina. I'm sure he'll put it under me so I don't have to spell it out. And then uh, if you guys are interested in like any of my S2000 stuff, I go over a ton of like building it and all that stuff. I have a YouTube channel. Not very big. I just hit a thousand subscribers. Hey. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll also put that. It's Medina Motorsports. I'll have him put the tag in there. Yeah. And then other than that, it's pretty much, I mean, you don't want to follow me on Facebook. Instagram and YouTube's right. Well, you already cool told stuff. people that uh, you're very quick at responding. So. I am. They might be reaching out to you soon. <laughs> don't hit me up at 2 a.m. for link questions, please. But I might be up and responding. But don't do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> be a little bit respectful of this time, okay? Yeah. Don't be a dick. No, but. I appreciate all you guys. Honestly, motorsports community is awesome, especially drifting. You're number one. <laughs> so, Cheers to that. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. But, yep, that's pretty much it for this one. So uh, if you want, go ahead and subscribe. And, yeah, see you next week. For Another episode every Sunday. Peace. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I'm in a big lease. Told him that I gotta go, dog. I'm riding a road, y'all. I think that I'm back in my bag now. So I need that go, y'all. Got hits when they throw in the fastball. Just too quick for it. Pilling off like the whip orange. Seen the effort is piss poor. I got too much. I got to tend to. Car payments and a rent due. Told y'all that I'm six foot, but we